if you congratulate yourself, what you're doing is you're communicating with yourself. Yeah. We have a habit of communicating with ourselves in a very unhealthy manner, crit- criticizing ourselves, always beating ourselves up for what we haven't done, yeah. and not actually um, congratulating ourselves for the things that we have achieved. Because you're, you're listening to yourself every single time. If all you do is deliver negative content to yourself, you're wearing yourself down time and time again. Yeah. So get, get into the habit of just being a bit kinder to yourself, and you'll start to notice that your resilience and your ability to perform will start to increase. Yeah. Hi, I'm Oliver Burquez, co-founder of 40 Fit. Welcome to the Brain, Brawn and Business podcast. The podcast is to get successful people on to talk about what inspires them, what motivates them, the successes and the challenges they faced in business, how they've overcome them, what they've learned along the way. It's a really practical podcast trying to offer real value to the listeners and things you can implement on a daily basis, things around business and strategy and habits, lifestyle performance. Hi, podcast community. My guest today is local businessman Gavin Perrett. Gavin is cool, calm and collected and he's a really nice guy. And what I love about the growth and the progress Gavin's had in his journey is how he's stayed true to himself, maintaining his principles and the integrity, which is really refreshing. It's a really good episode and and lots of good points made. And along his journey, Gavin talks about the importance of self-development and learning, having coaches how he manages expectations, whether in staff and in meetings. And I think the biggest thing is his strong daily routine and how he invests time in himself, whether it's training his mind or his body, that he does that regularly and how that is helping his own personal performance. So there's lots of really good take-home points. I'm sure you'll get lots from it. And episode coming up now. Yes, hi, podcast community. Welcome to another episode. Oliver here. Uh, Today, I'm joined with Gavin Perrett. Gavin, thanks so much for coming on today, mate. Good morning. Um, So Gavin's Director of Hawkehurst Invest, Will Protect, and Nexus Networking. So you've got a lot going on. And I think what I'm really excited about chatting to you today is you've got a very calm and cool, collected approach. And actually, we had a little brief chat off air, and you've got business, other business stuff and, and thinking of other things, there's a real good method to what you're doing and the progress you're making, Indeed. which I'm looking forward to hearing about. So, yes, yeah, so that's Gavin today. Um, Gavin, anything you want to add to the introduction? Um, I think that's probably a good place to start. <laughs> there are, there are, there's quite a few things going on with me and the various businesses at the moment. Uh, I think sometimes people say to me, wow, you've got a lot, a lot of different things going on. Uh, but I think the uh, in my head, they're all part of the same process. They're all part of the same journey. Um, so I think that's a good place to start and let's see where the conversation yeah, takes us really. To. Well, thanks again for coming on. Um, no, thank you for inviting me. It's, it's great to have you here. So what was your first job after sort of college or uni, school? Okay, so um, I went to school in Hornchurch, went to Campion School, uh, then went to university, uh, UCL, um, where I studied classics. So I studied Latin and ancient Greek at university. Oh, wow. Um, I was one of those people that uh, decided to study a, a subject that, I thoroughly enjoyed, as opposed to one which would be a, would be a direct passport okay, that's into, interesting. into a job, yeah. uh, because unless I was going to become an academic, uh, then or yeah, 
pretty much either a classics teacher or... Were you not naturally academic then at school? Was that not a thing um, for you? Or? Sorry, when I say academic, I mean an, an academic uh, lecturer. Um, okay. uh, so yes, yeah. I was. Um, but uh, the, the natural journey for somebody who's taking a classics degree, if they want to use that directly, is to become either a Latin or an ancient Greek teacher, yeah. teach classical civilization either at a school um, or at university. Uh, I thought that I, my attitude was, look, go and do something I enjoy. I'll figure out how to make a living at yeah. a later date. But the, the priority for me is to make sure I enjoy it. And I think I've actually taken that uh, philosophy uh, throughout life uh, in general yeah. with me. And I think it's great. And and so, like, with the so, – so you studied that. Um, at what point did you – when did your sort of hunger for business come? Okay, uh, completely and utterly by accident. Uh, they say that there's no such thing in coincidence um, in life, and I'm a firm believer in that. When I graduated from university, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was flirting with the idea of working in the music industry because uh, music's a big passion of mine. Um, I did some work experience in a record company, and um, I was quite disappointed with how cutthroat the whole experience was. Uh, so I decided that that, for me at that time, wasn't something I was going to explore any further. What was it? So when you say cutthroat, what? It was more to do with I, I, I was ob, I'm quite an observant character, so I was watching the way that some of these executives in the in the record company um, environment uh, were so dismissive of um, people's sensitivities and feelings, and were would basically cut off a lifeline to um, a record uh, and did, a record yeah. contract. And did that, did, did, did the lessons from there? Sorry to sorry, no, 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 no. The lessons you learnt there was that almost like how you didn't want to be in business. Yes. Do you think you took some lessons away even at that stage? At that stage, I decided that business is something I wanted to be in, uh, but you can be aspirational and compassionate at the same time. Get it? Um, really completely. Agree. So to answer your question a bit more, I have a, uh, you, you'll get to the answers that you want eventually with me, but there'll be a, a the odd diversion from no, time no, to time. No, no, please do. I'm, is... I'm, I'm similar to me as well, Gavin. <laughs> but that's we said, didn't we? We spoke before coming on. We said that's how I love the conversation of it all. You never yeah. know where the, the yeah. conversation is going yes. to lead. So, so um, just crack on, mate. So I then um, I then decided that uh, okay, I'd like to earn some money. Um, I was living, living with my parents, uh, so I thought, what can I? do in the meantime whilst I really figure out what I wanted to do. So I thought, okay, um, I've got this degree in classics, um, maybe I can do some teaching. So I thought I, I could do some private tutoring. I thought I'm not going to go and do a PGC course and learn how to become a, uh, a teacher. But what yeah. I can do is actually um, uh, deliver some private tuition, which would be of some value to perhaps A-level and GCSE students. So the first obstacle came uh, with the fact that my skill set was in Latin and ancient Greek, and the demand um, in uh, where I was born and brought up in, and living in Brentwood uh, wasn't huge for that. I think I got one student who uh, was an A-level Latin student. Um, but what it dawned on me was the fact that I also uh, was fairly adept at um, English, and I was uh, I took English literature as an A-level. And um, what the reason I'm telling this story is it's, it's, it's all about versatility and being flexible in your approach and taking things on. And even at a very young age, I've adopted um, Branson's mindset of uh, so, um, if somebody asks you to do something, say yes and then yeah. work out a bit, you know, work, yeah. figure out how to do it later <laughs> yeah. on. Again, um, yeah. So I so I thought, you know what, I could probably teach English. Um, so a lot of the skill sets that I've learned through um, studying at university uh, gave me the skill sets to analyze a piece of English literature and then take it to pieces and then teach someone how to understand it. Um, so 
very quickly, I built up a, a private tuition business completely by accident um, of about, I must have had about 20 students a week that I was teaching. And that was great. And I'd start work at four o'clock in the afternoon through to 10 o'clock at night and then all day Saturday. Um, alongside that, I was uh, working in a pub in Brentwood. Um, so my attitude was, okay, I'm earning money from this tuition business. I can also work Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday lunchtime, earn a bit more money, but actually prevent myself from spending money by not being out when most people yeah, are that yeah, were yeah. 21 yeah. At, that, at that age. But that, to me, shows, I think, first of all, you don't mind getting your hands dirty, you're going to work and do whatever. Exactly. Which is really important. Exactly. And second of all, I think there's some, well, what I mean, if people are out at 21, that must be hard. You know, I don't know, how that feel? You know, your friends are out partying, Gabby coming out today, night tonight, now I'm working. So, although it's possibly quite hard at the time, it actually leads you now into a position where you're in business yeah. and you've, you've developed, you think? Is it, you know, I don't know. You tell yeah, me, how does um, that like? And the I'd go out Sunday night instead. Yeah, yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Just being flexible. Uh, but you're quite right. It did um, instill a, um, a not, it's not necessarily a discipline. It's a habit. Yep. It became a habit that then continued. And then I just chopped and changed it and adapted it to whatever I needed it to um, go into. So I did that for about 18 months. Um, I didn't want to be a, a teacher full time. So I thought whilst I'm doing this, it gave me time during the day before four o'clock to put CVs out. And so we're talking, my goodness, 25 years ago now, um, where it's still pen and paper, posting out CVs. And eventually I stumbled across uh, an advert in the Evening Standard, um, which was for a, an advert to become a financial advisor. So I rang it up, um, along with many other adverts, and um, was invited into a, an office in, in, in London uh, for an interview. And uh, one thing led to another. Three interviews later, um, I was offered a job as a financial advisor with full training um, offered. Um, it was only when I started on the first day that I realized that it wasn't an employed job. I was self-employed. Yeah. I had to go and find all my own business. And um, I was you know, incredibly naive at that age. Um, and but actually, it did me a really big favor because I went and did all my financial planning exams, uh, passed those, went out into the big wide world, and um, started cultivating relationships. And that's and slowly but surely, um, I, I built up a client base uh, off my own back. No one ever gave me a client, um, I always built up everything from scratch organically myself. So, to have that was hard, really tough when you're 22. And no one's taking you seriously because what does a twenty-two-year-old know about? That's what I was going to say. It's a really hard challenge. Financial yeah. advice. So how did you make people? How did you make people take you seriously? Persistency. Yeah. Um, earning very little money in the first year. So what I did, I had to drop the tuition Monday to Friday, but I kept the Saturday full of appointments. So I, I, I taught all day Saturday, and then Monday to Friday I was going out to London, um, learning my trade, and so the still living with my parents. That gave me a bit of a break financially, and the money I earned on the Saturday was enough to pay for my train fare um, and a few other bits and bobs. And gradually, basically, all that happened was after six months, after nine months, um, my friends, uh, my relatives started thinking, Gavin's still there. He's not stopped. Oh, he's, he's got another exam. He's got another qualification. Oh, maybe he is going to stick at this for not that they had any had any 
experience of you just dropping yeah, stuff precisely, in Yeah, precisely. Precisely. By one, they, they would come to me, and the, the part of least resistance back then was, um, back in the late 90s, was um, a lot of my friends were buying properties for the first time. Um, and I'd, I'd end up arranging the mortgages for them. So there was a practical use that I could um, be helpful. Um, demonstrated that time and again, helped a lot of my friends, then people coming for pension advice and various other things as well. Gradually build that up. And once you then prove yourself to one friend or one family member, they will then refer you to somebody else who then doesn't have that preconceived idea of you and what they thought you should be doing or shouldn't be doing before that. They see you as a professional and there's no so there's no baggage yeah. with that relationship and that it, it went on yeah. from there. So there's a few things. First of all, professionalism. Um, we've met a couple of times, I know you, and, and when I've met, I've always said uh, the introduction, Cool Karma Collective, but you come across very professional. Have you always been like that? Where did you learn that professionalism? The way you sort of conduct yourself, it always, it's always struck me, very professional. Thank you, first of all, yeah, uh, yeah. for that um, observation. I think it's always been part of me. Um, I've Maybe it's the way I've been brought up by, by my parents, just uh, being polite and, and, yeah. and professional. I think my uh, school environment probably helps with that as well. Um, I was probably nurtured to be, um, you know, respectful, polite and professional, yeah. um, but also to, to know when to, uh, you know, uh, perhaps be uh, more um, more relaxed in other environments, perhaps. Uh, so I think that's always been with me. But as time goes on, it's like anything. You are you, you end up being, um, they say you're the sum of the five people that you surround yeah, yourselves with. I get it. So if you surround yourselves with people who you aspire to, um, then you're more likely to act in that vein. I so if, to me, it's to me, it's 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 very natural. Um, I don't think about it. It's, it's just the way I am, basically. Yeah. No, I agree, and I think it's great. Um, so part of the so one of the things that interests me is challenges people face. So I'd love to hear about the challenges you've faced in business, uh, maybe the mistakes you've made, how you've learned from them, and and the reason already which stood out to me the fact you had to go and get business in your early 20s no one told you about the yeah. self-employed role i think i must hold you in good stead because it probably got told no quite a bit you had to get out there it was uncomfortable out your comfort zone so actually these little things are helping you in business helping you grow and learn possibly yeah. one of the challenges but i'd love to hear more challenges and mistakes you maybe made that lead you to here now yeah god well back uh, back then, were more no's than I uh, care to remember. Um, and back then, the, the big difference back then is um, I, I, I took the no's really personally. Yeah. Um, and I didn't understand that, that that someone's no was just the fact, all it was was the fact that I had failed to establish a rapport uh, with that individual. I failed to um, understand what makes them tick. I failed to ask them what they wanted what their aspirations were, what their goals are, were, um, what worried them, what what their anxieties were. Um, by not asking those questions, you get to know very, very quickly yeah. or you just don't hear from people again. The people that say yes, the people that know you um, fairly well already and they, 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 they understand that you know, you're, um, you're back with authenticity. People that you know less well, uh, they need a bit more um, evidence of that. Um, and uh, back then, I, back then, I wouldn't have understood that. No, and so, so because you've learned from that, do you think the fact is that you start to understand human behaviour and how people, different people, think differently and how they act? Do you think there's some really good lessons learnt there in 
everyone's different. Everyone's yeah. got everyone's certain personality trait, this profile. Everyone look at it, but maybe you just got to meet a lot of people. Yeah, that's right. And it was it was I would never change that experience for the world because without going through that, um, you can't. You've got nothing to then base on base your progress on. Uh, so when I look back now and see how much I've come on, um, if people say no now, then I'm struck with curiosity. It's not frustration. Uh, it's a case of well, that's an interesting reaction. Um, in fact, nowadays. So would you ask? So would you ask them about? So would you almost say that's fine, no problem about getting, uh, you know, not being that's it's a no and stuff. But I'd love to know what it was that didn't introduce you that bit. Do you not go down? No, I do very much yeah. so. And are um, people willing to share that? Yes, as long as well, if I've established a, a good enough rapport, then they'll be absolutely happy to share that with them. And actually, the way that I because I think that's yeah. really good, Gavin. Yeah. I think it's really good. I mean, Cal, with something we've we've seen with people on podcasts when we talk about that and and stuff is actually the the self reflection. So analyzing yourself, but also if something hasn't gone right, being able to get that learn a, a lesson learned from that. And if the person you're interaction you're dealing with it wasn't a positive outcome, yeah, if they can give you feedback on it, brilliant. But it's quite hard to ask, maybe. But you say you do that. There's two sides of this. Um, there'll, there'll be de- right, we're all human, and we all, we'll all have days where we're not on top form. Maybe we're not feeling very well. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we've not had a very good night's sleep the night before. Whether we like it or not, not that will have an impact on the way that we on how present we are to a conversation with somebody else, um, how articulate we are. Um, and how patient we are in terms of our listening skills for that person. If you're really, really tired and you're not feeling well, you're not as patient as you normally are. This, I don't care what anybody anybody says. And if that that might that a few of those a few of those uh, features may rub off in a conversation, which may have the results of that person uh, not wishing to engage with you at that particular time. That said, I uh, um, I communicate now in a very very deliberate uh, manner. It's natural, but it's deliberate, uh, so that. My communication acts as a filter. Um, in what I do, in all my lines of work, whether it be property investment consultancy, whether it be estate planning or coaching or any of the other things I'll talk about a bit later, um, I don't want to take on every single person out there. Um, so it's a qualifying situation almost. Yeah, qualifying people out as well as in. Of course it is. Because I've only got so many hours in the day and what I do isn't right for everybody. Yeah. Um, investing in property is not going to be uh, an appropriate thing um, for someone of a very, very, very nervous disposition. It's just not right. And if I identify that, I will be very honest and open about that and suggest that they go, um, uh, go for a more yeah. traditional form of financial So, so how would you do that? So how do you, do you, is that in an upfront, upfront contract, upfront with someone that's saying that this is a conversation, if we feel it's not right, do you say that? So you manage expectations at a meeting, so there's no awkwardness at the end if you do say no? There's a series of, uh, of events. So most people will engage with us by um, attending one of our educational workshops, um, that there'll be a questionnaire that they fill in at the end where they will identify things that they're interested in or not as the case may be. Uh, we then follow up, invite them in for a meeting. They then get another questionnaire, which gives them an opportunity to feed, feed to us information which is helpful uh, to me in the way that I navigate a conversation with them yeah. on a the first meeting. By that time, I'll know what they like, what they don't like, um, what their aspirations are, what, uh, yeah. what you know, all that kind of stuff. I can then hone like a pre-meeting yeah, planner almost, and, absolutely. And get it, yeah, get get the information. It's, it's really interesting. Really absolutely, interesting, and really that good. first meeting is all about them, yeah. and for me to find out um, and explore, and it'll become very, very obvious very quickly whether or not they're right for that conversation or not. And you know, so if you frame it properly, 
then tell it, um, explain to someone that perhaps our services aren't aren't the right rope, uh, route for them. Yeah, um, they'll be very very grateful for the honesty of that. Um, and I've had people who I've said that to, who haven't done business with us, who've then gone and referred us to other people who've come yeah. in that they have been right for us yeah. and they have done business with us. And that's great. And it's leaving people in a, in a good position, isn't it, and stuff. And actually making people feel comfortable enough that they can say no. Yeah. Um, and for you being comfortable enough that actually, look, I might say no working with you. That's right. But leaving the relationship in a lovely way that you get a referral or yeah. there's... Um, down the line there might be something well, down the line and you never know and keep connecting you never know what's around the corner don't burn bridges and, 100%. um yeah and and it's ego has no place in this whatsoever um when i was younger the ego was very very um at the forefront but was that a big lesson learned then oh, that you did have ego huge, in the place so actually huge. you learned but when did you realize actually come on gav get get the ego out there just leave the ego behind. Leave the ego in the car now. When did it start changing for you? Well, did you start changing is the right expression. It's not an overnight. Um, yeah, yeah. I can assure you. That yeah. It, for me, it probably started um, around uh, the sort of 2004, 2005 mark, which is when I started becoming interested in personal development. Um, and, uh, so what age were you there, Gavin? 30. And are people going to work at how would you are now? I'm 45. I'll save you the maths. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So you're around 30 and personal development become really important to you. Yeah. So how does personal development work for you in terms of what you do? Because I know you do stuff. Yeah. And your personal development, how it helps you on a daily basis? Wow. Okay. Um, so my personal development journey was born out of a curiosity about the way that I think and whether my thinking uh, w was helpful to me. Yeah. And back then, there are a lot of um, thinking habits that I had that were far from helpful. So I decided to read some books. And reading books was all very well and good, gave me a few ideas. Um, but then, unless you've got someone to perhaps give you some coaching to help you put some things into practice, it's got limited, in my view, it's got limited functionality. So I, I engaged actually with a, um, a life coach back in 2006 just to um, help me with uh, some unhelpful thinking habits. And um, uh, this lady, um, a, a good friend of mine, a lady, a lady called Gina Gardner, um, she introduced me to NLP, uh, Neuro Linguistic Programming. Um, and my fascination with that subject stemmed from then onwards. So just fast forward, since then, then up to about, um, 2014-15 I then decided that I wanted to take this more seriously and in that five year window I've become a master practitioner in neurolinguistic programming I've become a coach and um, recently I've taken a certificate in applied neuroscience which enables me to become a practitioner in behavioural change yeah so I want to come up behavior, I mean, the, the, the science, neuroscience the behavioural change I'm, I'm fascinated by it um What's, how does that look like? And what's, you've done a course in that. And what's that? Is that just something that helps you with everyday activities? Or is there an area you want to go with that? It's massive. Um, yeah. So just to t take a step back, in terms of the day-to-day the, the -day, um, habits, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that's probably a better place to start, which I can then go on to that. Yeah. Um, every day I start off with meditation. Yeah. Um, it's grounding. Uh, it helps me uh, retain perspective. Yeah. How long does that last? How long does meditation last for you? It could be anything from five minutes to fifteen 
minutes. And what is that just what you feel you need when you wake up? What state is it state of mind? Or how yeah. did you time time that? Um, well, I, I've, I've, I've got several apps that I use, yeah. Yeah. and they enable you to um, select a time that that's, works for you. works for me. That that works for me, and yeah. um, I do that before I do anything. I don't look at my phone before that. I don't look at any emails. So get up, meditate. Yeah. How do you feel after that? Uh, balanced. The the, the, yeah. the the if I don't do that, the brain is like a muscle. If you fall out of the habit very quickly, the noise returns. Yeah. And I had a lot of noise in my head, and it wasn't helpful. And it would just start my day off on the wrong footing. Yeah. yeah. So by starting off with meditation. I take control of that of the, of the noise, and the volume control goes down. So, what comes after meditation? Um, and then, um, my, my I am a morning person, so my natural instinct is to then exercise. Uh, but so we've mentioned uh, briefly my networking organisation Nexus. Yeah. That demands that I'm uh, in one of various locations yeah. throughout Essex, um, uh, pretty much each morning. Uh, but I will um, exercise every day. For between 45 minutes and an hour yeah what does your exercise look like um i will run uh, i will do two 10k runs per week um which i really really enjoy um and i'll do uh, then I, the rest will be um uh, isolated uh weights um yeah. legs push or pull uh, upper body that kind yeah. of thing and so you're a firm believer of fitness how does so do you think there's a crossover between fitness and business yes yes how does that how and how does the fitness side of things help you in your business? What does that in terms of the impact it has? The fitness combined with the meditation, and the meditation isn't just in the morning. If I'm being really smart, I will remember to meditate for 15 minutes or 10 minutes at lunchtime to give me a oh, boost. Interesting. Okay. A lot of a lot of people that you're probably talking to uh, before they've come and see you are reaching for the chocolate bar or the packet of crisps at four o'clock. So actually, it's not lunchtime. It's more like two thirty, three o'clock in the so afternoon. So you get a lull. Yeah. which is quite common in people, yeah. is three o'clock. Um, you then go to meditation. Yes. Yeah. And what does that stop you from being a bit unhealthy, maybe in behaviours and habits? and Totally. Totally. It gives me a, a massive surge in energy. Yeah. It's absolutely remarkable. Because this is interesting, isn't it, Cal? So we've said, so something around decision fatigue, um, and something that I've, I've started to reanalyze myself lately and started chatting to clients about, it's been really important, is we make so many decisions in the course of a day. Yeah. And... What we find is by making so many decisions, their decision fatigue sets in. So if you can be self-aware, I talk about self-awareness a lot, is if you can be self-aware of yourself, analyze where you're most productive in the day. So, for example, if it's your morning person, you're productive in the morning, try and hit nail a very um, thought-provoking um, program development, content writing, whatever it may be, tasks, it's going to take a lot of brain power. If then you're getting the fatigue, um, if, if you're or your night person, you might do that at night. So we have these peaks and flows in the day. And when you're aware of those peaks and flows, you can then start to, like, say, productive task in the morning. Yes. Exercise at a certain time, which might be the lull that you have meditation. Um, and it's just working out that. And actually, it's decision fatigue. It's interesting you saying that, whereas I might go and train. You saying you're meditating for someone listening that might have decision fatigue or get this lulls. It's an alternative approach. So yeah. yeah, being self-aware of this in the day, but then having the you know, the ability to put in tasks or activities that work within those time frames. There's a whole host of things you can do to stimulate your neurology. You can uh, meditate for five minutes. You can um, you can have a playlist of music that um, that uh, triggers certain anchors 
uh, with yeah. you if you want to be motivated. Uh, you can even just going for a brisk walk around the block will do that. Yeah. Um, so what I try and do is rem remember the, the meditation, but also do the exercise um, as well. And then, if, then at night time, um, I'll, I'll put on a sleep meditation, which will just uh, drift me off. Um, and that combination for me works well. So it's about having habits. Um, so where that helps with business um, is decision making. My decision making is, yeah. is, is stronger because I've got rid of that fatigue. Or I've controlled that fatigue, uh, but also with me, it's about um, all of this has huge symbolic value for me as well, uh, like a, a, a sense of completion when you tick that box. I've kept to my process today, yeah. therefore I feel in control. Therefore, I'm going to navigate my business world in a much more graceful and elegant manner than had I not done those yeah. things. So, will you yeah. put that meditation at lunchtime in? when you start to feel the lull or do you schedule it in so it's in there? How does it work for you? Um, that, that's probably the meditation that is most flexible with me. Yeah. And but my next stage, of, and this is the whole point, we're all developing and learning. For me, I, if I schedule that, I think I'm going to see better results. So that's something I'm going to start doing. More. Yeah. But so the reason I was, if you, all right, Cal. Yeah, nice one. Yeah, cool. If you, um, so with, and the reason I was that is, so, that works for you, but I think you need flexibility. So what I mean by is, if you if it doesn't go to plan, your day's a bit of a car crash. No. no. So, so how do you no. overcome this? Uh, you have to be flexible because all it takes is for a phone call to come in um, in the business uh, with the business room. I'm I'm needed to jump on something urgently. You, so that's you're, key. You're, so you're, actually, you're so being right focused, yeah. focused, but flexible because life's not perfect. It doesn't always exactly. work that way. Because you raise a very important point. If that becomes so important that it becomes ritualistically essential, then what you've done is you've created a negative anchor uh, and a, a, a reliance upon that get as it, opposed yeah, to something it. that all of these things are tools, they're not rules. And that's why I ask it, because I think if someone's listened to this, now they're going to think, actually, you know what, Gab's a switched on guy, did it, all of this, NLP, you can see you've got the mindset and all of this. But if someone's not on that level, or even yourself, and you say you're probably working, like you say, it's things you still want to work, we're work in progress. But it's, I think it's good for people to take some board. Actually, if you can't fit things in, it doesn't have to change and affect the day. No, no, it doesn't at all. Because if you do, that's where it can lead to then a right for the day. Diet's the same way. Of course it is. And <laughs> people you know, like have to think perfect. As soon as they don't, they go off perfect, the binge happens. Yeah. So it's trying to, and I resonate, this is why I think lifestyle and business can link in, understanding that aim for good, not perfect, have a little bit of flexibility, understand your goals, where you're trying to get to, but realize it's not just going to be A to B in a nice. No, I mean, line. arguably, this has been work in progress for between 15 and 22 years, depending upon where you start the, 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 the actual journey with this. And for anyone that's listening to this, it's just choosing one thing and making one small adjustment. And uh, one, if I can be, give one piece of advice today, it's make a small change, and it could be, um, it could be something as innocuous and simple as thinking of three things that you're grateful for before you go to sleep at night. And I know lots of people um, say this, and they say it because it works. And introduce that just before you drift off to sleep. And if you do that for a, a week in succession, you'll probably notice that you're feeling a little bit um, better about life in yeah. general. Yeah. And when that happens. Maybe, maybe you can do something which we in this country aren't very good at. Give yourself a pat on the back. So, so the one piece of advice I'll give is to celebrate small victories. 
And if you do something well, acknowledge it and congratulate yourself because you'll be saying it to yourself privately, silently. You don't have to go and shout about it from the rooftops on social media or anything like that. But if you congratulate yourself, what you're doing is you're communicating with yourself. Yeah. We have a habit of communicating with ourselves in a very unhealthy manner, crit- criticizing ourselves, always beating ourselves up for what we haven't done yeah. and not actually um, congratulating ourselves for the things that we have achieved because you're, you're listening to yourself every single time. If all you do is deliver negative content to yourself, you're wearing yourself down time and time again. Yeah. So get, get into the habit of just being a bit kinder to yourself and you'll start to notice that your resilience and your ability to perform will start to increase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I get it, I get it. Um, so any other sort of daily habits... Any, uh, you've mentioned more, your morning routine strong. Any other daily habits that are important to you that's valuable? Yeah. Um, it can't all be about work. Yeah. So um, for me, um, I, work, I do work a long day. I'd always make sure I do something for me in that day, whether that be to... So every day is something personal to Gavin. Yeah, exactly. Not non-work related. Spending time um, with family, um, uh, ringing my mum and dad. Uh, um, you know, calling a friend I haven't spoken to in a long time, uh, maybe meeting someone for a coffee, um, uh, catching up with some some reading. It could be anything, and just making sure that there's something in the diary so that I haven't gone from five a.m. in the morning through to ten o'clock at night, where all I've done is something related to work or business. And does that help? What does that do to you? How does that help you? Reminds me why I'm doing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then does that break from the work cycle? Then when you get back into work, help the productivity? Yeah, yeah it's a recharge. Yeah, I see that. I see the value button. in that. Um, I've, I've had to get better. And you know, we talk about things we always need to prove a work in yeah. progress. Some it's been always been a ch- so challenges because I, I really love my work and stuff. So I can work quite too long. So I find that I'll do. I mean, I always find an hour to train. Training really helps me. That's a real release for me. Yeah. But something which I've. <laughs> Done it is I'll bang on, bang on, and bang, do work stuff. But that's something I've, I've had to get better with just doing non weight work related tasks because what I find that has it then has a positive effect down the line. So, an hour break in the cycle of doing something real non work related, not as taxing on the mind, maybe personally for me, gives me possibly two or three hours more productivity in the second half of the day. Yeah, exactly. I mean, one question for you actually, yeah, um, Ollie. Uh, do you? Uh, is that because you don't regard your work as work? You love it so much. Yeah, so you, it's I, yeah. a passion for you. It is really hard. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a real challenge, and I feel really blessed actually. And I, I, I generally do that. I played football for nineteen years, so I love that. I love the fitness industry, and I love business. So I really love it all. So it's really hard. Work-life balance. Some people say you need a work-life balance. Some people say it's all rubbish. Um, so work-life balance for me, I, I don't worry about too much because I really enjoy what I do. I just make sure I make time for. Yeah, the things that are really important to me, like family, my personal, my health, eating right, and things. Um, but yeah, so it's a challenge. So I'm a slightly different position where I I love I, I do really enjoy what I'm doing, but I still know it helps my productivity if I take time out from it. It does break the cycle. Yeah. So you know, hearing you say that, I totally agree. Um, yeah. So you you'll do that. You'll you'll do something personal. How does it work? Any anything else really? So if you're going into like the afternoon, evening, is there anything that you're your task changes it. Do you slow it down? Is it an easier? Do you find more productive then? It's interesting you say that because... Because um, let's say you've meditated in the morning and yeah. you're meditating at lunchtime and, and you've mentioned about the effect that has on you in your work, in your productive day. You've allowed some personal time. 
fascinates me you know, how you're how you're getting on to the afternoon and evening if you feel quite bulletproof. Um, I'm quite good at uh, making sure that I don't work too late. So um, I think a lot of this stemmed from when we got the offices in Chelmsford. Um, as it's a cool office as well. It's cool, it is yeah, a cool yeah, office. It's, nice, nice it's a really nice environment to work in. Um, and I tend to leave, I don't tend to leave work any later than six o'clock. Uh, so traffic permitting, I'm home by about half past six. And then um, I'll have some dinner. Um, and then I, I, and sometimes there are things I'm doing in the evening. There might be a workshop I'm presenting on or, or where I'll stay late in the office. But if I'm at home, that's when I'll decide to do some reading um, or start researching stuff or yeah, so um, these are one of the things. So learning. So what, what will you read? Will you read? Is it is it just a non-fiction book? Is it fiction book? Is it learning? Is it relevant to you? What stuff are you reading? It's a whole variety of stuff. So when I'm, it's interesting. When I leave the office and I go home, um, then all the urgent stuff is left at the office. Yeah. Um, and then if I come home, I might do some more, like, um, work on some more creative parts of the business. Or my, uh, I think when I'm away from the office, all my ideas for the business surface, which is why when I go on holiday. I get all my best ideas in the last yeah. three days of a holiday before I come you're back. Really, you're, you're excited to come home. Well, how do you clear the headspace for the ideas to happen? How does that work for you? Is there, is there things that you're doing that you actually, you know what, possibly don't realise it, but there's little things you're doing in your day that does clear the headspace for the ideas to happen. And actually, it's interesting. This is an interesting yeah. one for anyone listening for you because you've got three businesses. Chatting today, you're now launching another business. You're always progressing on. So, yeah, how do you find headspace to be creative and productive? Like um, it's fine because in my head they're all one thing. They're all um, they're all they're, you know there might be different businesses, um, and some clients may only ever engage with one business. Some of them will engage with all of them, but they all fit in. So in my head they're all part of the same journey. All I've done is partition them into four, five legal entities, yeah, five, four or five different brands or marketing positions, um, but they're all they're all driving the same message, the same journey. And that's why I don't find them overwhelming. Does it mean that I have to be ridiculously organized? Yes, it does. But that's why you build a team around you. That's why you hire resources to help you um, uh, help you in your flow. Um, but when I, I guess in terms of creativity, if, if I'm at my desk at work and there's loads going on, I'm not necessarily in a creative space. Yeah. Um, so when I get home, it's a more relaxed environment. Um, yeah, sure. Like sometimes so I like say, to sit yeah. down and watch television. Um, so would you say then it's quite key to have get yourself in a relaxed state, relaxed environment for, for, for this yes, I do. creative thinking? I do. And also uh, get yourself out of the, out the office. If you've got um, – and have a bit of fun with this. Pick four or five uh, places which inspire you. Um, and they could be around any uh, – What, uh, thinking them? So visualise no, them? No, no. Uh, go and spend time in them. So even if it's your favourite coffee shop in um, – it could be in a, a tea room in – Rissell or somewhere like that, that might be nice to go and visit. And take yeah. yourself off to a space like that or go to Hanningfield Reservoir and just chill out there for a bit and just uh, have a cup but of tea. But this goes back to triggers. You said triggers earlier, and yes. I think this is really important for people yes. and triggers because um, I'll, I have one coffee a day and I'll associate coffee with productive tasks and productive. It's always in the morning for me. So it's a trigger. So a nice coffee doing something productive. I had it just before chatting to you because yeah, it was really... that's right. Because I thought it was going to be a productive chat. Yeah. So it's a good trigger. Music, a good trigger. So I think it's for people and, and, and nice places where you know you're productive. So I think if people need to get things done and develop and grow and what's important is so where your positive triggers are, 
Again, being self-aware yep. and using them. Is that what you're sort of saying? Yeah, get those positive That's triggers right. associated to the work you want to do. Exactly, exactly. In NLP, we call them uh, positive anchors, and they anchor you to where you need to be. Yeah, like So it. by by by, um, by choosing somewhere where you've got the right sensory stimulus, so where, where can you be where uh, you've got where, uh, visual aesthetics, where you've got um, auditory aesthetics, where everything around you is... is affecting your senses in a positive way that will then uh, free up so even driving to that place is a clearing process and then you arrive uh, your, your pulse will be lower you'll be calmer your breathing will become uh, more regular and then you're in a really good space then to sit back and say right now this is time for me um, my phone is on do not disturb and this is just going to say to you actually yeah. um important important not to have any distractions when if you're trying to be no. focused for the time no. so put your phone on do not disturb get it out of reach that you yeah. can't then hear a beep check it and go on and also and this is a message in general even though when you're in the office at work um don't make yourself too available to everything that's going on around you if you're fo- you know if you're in a meeting um managing people's expectations uh, there's nothing worse than business will surprise you things go- things do go wrong from time to time but if you can, um, if you can manage people's expectations and let them know these are the things that may be a nuisance to you throughout this process, what I'm going to do is manage your expectations and let you know that any of these things could happen. They may not happen at all, but they might happen. If they do happen, this is what we as an organisation are going to do to help you navigate your, um, through them. And then they're like, oh, okay, that's fine. So when the, if they do happen, oh, no, you did actually tell me that that could happen. So I'm cool with that. And that's great. It's a real great way to be. So you're outlining the issues potentially there. And then you're, you're, you know, you're showing how you're going to help people. Yes. It's actually a really good sales approach for anyone listening. Yeah, absolutely. That might not be selling or you're actually getting to the root of someone's problem and trying to help them solve that. People don't want, uh, in this country in particular, not so much in, um, in America, but over here, People like um, a humble approach to sales and marketing. Um, with that, they don't want people sugarcoating um, anything. So you mentioned that I have a calm and collected manner. Um, that's my style. It's natural. And I believe that that communicates a degree of authenticity to the people that I'm, I'm dealing with. Uh, nothing's ever rushed. People decide to do things in their own time, at their agenda, not mine. And they get an opportunity to ask questions. And I will say, I'll say to people, look, you're buying a property, you're buying an investment property through us. There will come a there will, there will come a moment where you think, why on earth have I gone through this process? Because you are having a wobble, because something has happened, which I might even if I've told you it might happen, yeah. it's still going to unnerve you. And my job and my value is there to chaperone you through that and remind you why you're doing it. You're doing it because you want to fund your daughter's education at university in 10 years' time. And that is more important to you than the slight inconvenience that you're experiencing right now because yeah. uh, the mortgage value has downvalued the property or um, uh, or there could be a whole host of things yeah. which could be a, a problem or a challenge along the way. Yeah. And it's just reminding people that saying, look, this could happen, this could happen, or this could happen. Um, it will be extremely frustrating when it does happen, but remember why you're doing it. You're building a business business you have ups and downs i'm not here to say that every, here to say that everything's always going to be okay uh that uh, 100 that's time. good as well because like you say you're not sugarcoating as you said sugarcoating it you're not flapping it up too much no, you're being want, real life real talk here people want humility they, they know do. that things don't yeah. you know definitely as long as the end I'll get game it. is is achievable 
that's the main thing. Yeah, and I get it. Um, so, do you have any personal heroes, and wh- why do you hold them in such high regard? Uh, this is a difficult question to answer because people uh, inspiration comes in so many different yeah, um, of course, ways, shapes, and forms. Um, let's talk about the sporting world. Yeah, first of all, um, given the environment I'm in right now, <laughs> yeah. Um, one sporting legend who inspires me is Roger Federer. Um, I admire his cool, calm and collected manner, um, his, his polite personality. Um, I admire his presence of mind um, up until he wins the trophy and then he's an emotional wreck, which I also find quite in, in, endearing. Um, he's quite possibly one of the most consistent sportsmen of all time. Uh probably the greatest tennis player of all time. And um, and I know that somebody like him would have spent um, every waking hour, every, every day training, not just his body, but his mind yeah. to become the best that he can possibly be. I like his humility. He's not arrogant. Um, and that's possibly why he's one of the greatest sports people of all time. Yeah, I think sports people can be really inspirational because of the mindset they have, the skill set obviously what i love about federer i'm a huge fan as well anyone that can win season in season out day in day out that's so hard to do to achieve that high level of performance day in day and consistency is huge yes and that i tip my hat to someone like that we can only aspire to be at that level and to that consistency and what he would have done uh, when he was a young boy he would have had heroes of his own maybe beyond borg uh, maybe Jimmy Connors, Ivan Lendl, um, uh, people like that. He would have watched them on on television, and he would have taped them and rewound and watched them again and again and yeah. again. To so, learn. so let's go, to model, the, let's go on from that then. So there's sporting heroes, lessons to be learned. You've got that. Yeah. Relevant to you in business and growing, do you have any business heroes that you're aspiring to, that you've followed, you're learning from, that's, that you want to take you forward? Because there's a message I think you're getting across here is you've got, you said you surround yourself with those, the, the people you surround yourself yeah. with is who you become and who you are. Of course. But you need people to aspire to. You do. You do. So uh, and, uh, inspiration is transferable. So um, the inspiration I get from Roger Federer, I can transfer into anything um, else. And I'm sure that, yeah. that, that so business is relevant to that. Uh, in the business world, um, up there and, you know, the, the usual suspects uh, I find inspirational, you know, Branson. Alan Sugar, yeah, um, all hugely inspirational people. Yeah. Um, and then closer to me, the people that I've met on my personal development journey um, over the years, and the people that uh, the workshops I've been to, the uh, the seminars I've attended, you know, the Tony Robbins, um, uh, the these people who've started off pretty much with nothing, and that if they've educated themselves and come through thick and thin to get where they are and develop massive businesses and multiple businesses is absolutely inspirational. Yeah. But also people, there are people, I'm, I'm inspired every day, the people in the local business community uh, that you meet, um, they will inspire you for a whole host of different reasons. They don't have to be super, um, superstar business people. They, they might be at a very early stage of their business, but you hear stories about people who've overcome adversity uh, and they've now set up a business when perhaps that would have been impossible for them to think of doing five years ago due to relationship breakups um yeah you know, abusive relationships um illness bereavement 
Um, and that, to me, life can take its toll. Yeah, absolutely. And that, I think the inspiration at that level is just as powerful as the inspiration of all the people that we've yeah. all heard of who we um, look up to each day. Yeah, totally. And no, I get it. I think it's so important. Um, what advice would you give to Gavin 10, 15 years ago? So as, like, as everyone knows your age, okay. as yes. everyone knows your age, yes. what would you have said to Gavin at 25 years old? Gavin that helped him then. Um, keep the faith. Yeah. Keep the faith because um, there have been lots of things which have happened throughout my life which have been uh, good, lots of things which have been not so good, and lots of things which have been a little, a little bit indifferent. I can honestly say with my hand on my heart that I don't wish, uh, I, I don't regret anything that's ever happened to me at all in the past. I may not invite the same kind of experience again. Yeah. I don't regret anything. Yeah. Every single thing that's happened to me in my life has yeah. helped me to become the person that I am today, which isn't the finished article, and it won't be until the day that I die. But I'm happy, I'm good with that. Um, yeah, but do you think you know? You mentioned Roger Federer's humility that someone has, the sincerity in that. You're friend, you know, things you're saying about that. Do you think that that helps you? You know, having that mindset, having that approach is helping your business, allowing you to continue to grow, continue to develop, service yeah. your clients well. And service is a good word to use, actually, because it's it's not it's not about me. Um, the, ha- the the happier I become is directly equated to the less relevance I place on me, my, my and my ego, and, and my service to the wider community. And um, without being too out there, having some kind of higher purpose, something that you know, it's the best way to explain this in business is not thinking about um, you as the director of the business. But thinking, how can I improve the business as a separate entity from me, Gavin Perrett? Um, so when I'm looking at the business, I'm thinking about how can I improve uh, life for the employees? How can I improve uh, the quality of experience for the clients? How can I make sure that if I ever sell that business, I've created a legacy for whoever purchases that business to make sure they're successful and the staff that uh, continue to work within that organization continues to thrive at the same time and the more I do that and the more I separate it from me uh, actually the happier I become yeah of course how do you get the staff to, so talk about company culture there staff buying into it how do you get them to buy into the process how do you get them to how do you create that company culture um, I think the best way to explain it is by having a more of like a family kind of feel uh, to running a business and um, you know we're a small team uh, but we get on well um, we have our ups and downs like any other family. Of course. Um, and it's just to talk to people. It's listening to people, making sure that people have a voice. Um, and that's it, isn't it? Like some people really just want to be heard and want to be part of it. And actually, some brilliant business decisions or growth or structure or program development can come from the input of other people of around you. Of course it can. But then that goes back to you as a business owner, having the humility actually for someone, one of your employees that, oh, John... Karen, thank you for you. I'm using an example. Yeah. What great, what a great bit of input that is. Mate, how how that makes them feel. You can learn something from an um, an 18 year old apprentice that's coming into your business for the first time. Yeah. Um, and if you've got the humility to accept something that they say or suggest uh, without um, uh, having your ego offended um, in any way, shape, or form, then you are the victor in that situation. Yeah, but it goes back to what you said there. You know, the you know early day is. Not worrying about, it, not letting things affect you know, not worrying about it, and not having, not having the ego, 
not, you know, getting no, told to no, is not worrying about it. Actually, being in that position where you don't have the ego, you've got no emotional attachment to your position. You know, yes, you're the leader in the in the company and whatever else, but actually there's no emotional attachment to that. I've got no ego. So we just want the company to grow. Exactly. And let's go with this, guys. I want your input. Yeah, and don't take yourself too seriously either. Yeah. You know, um, it's a, in, in the grand scheme of things, my business is a tiny blip. Uh, if you're looking from outer space, looking down, you know, just enjoy the, enjoy what you do each day. Um, take take the business seriously, but don't take yourself too seriously. Yeah. Any good quotes you live by? Any 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 good or words you live by? Oh, um, I think uh, I think the advice for other people is possibly one of my favourite quotes, which is "under promise and over deliver." Um, that's something I, I stand by. Um, yeah, lovely. You know, keep the faith. Don't take things too personally. Um, but there's you could ask me every day for the next year, Oliver, and I'd say something completely different, <laughs> yeah. I'm being honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, just before I go on to what you got going on, because I know we mentioned some stuff. Um, early in the podcast, we, early in the conversation we spoke about, you spoke about knowledge and, and learning. Um, and something struck me about the knowledge, how important it is to learn and, and develop. You said that in reading and stuff. But I have a theory, and I think, you know, knowledge without action is quite irrelevant. Yeah. So how do you take this knowledge and then implement into your daily structure because people go, it comes up a lot in the podcast. Um, yeah, we've got, you know, you've got to learn and and read and develop and stuff. But without the action, that knowledge becomes irrelevant because only action will lead to outcomes completely. So how, how does that work for you? Because obviously you're so strong and keen on self-development and learning. Because I've learned the hard way because I, I spent probably 2005 to 2014 reading book after book after book probably retaining five ten percent of what i've learned and what do you retain now if you read um i would say that i retain 75 percent what's been the difference for that 60 percent the difference is implementation so, so read implement then would you, but the, what, what if something doesn't work though how does it work for you so read implement hasn't worked it's all about flexibility. If something doesn't yeah. work, it's not a failure. It's feedback. Uh, all you need to do is try try something different. Yeah. Okay. So but it sounds uh, obvious, but I, the reason I because actually that's such practical advice. Find sometimes a coach. you get overlooked. Find, find a, a coach. coach. So um, I've, I have a number of different coaches you? for different. Um, uh, are they assets. mentors a little bit as well? Yeah, and yeah, absolutely. So mentors, coaches are really important to have around you. Of course they are. And where do you look? What do you look for in a coach? You're looking for someone to develop your skill sets relevant to you, your personal, your personality, your mindset. What areas are you looking at development? I can tell whether I can work with a coach within five minutes of having a conversation with them. Um, it's an instinct, yeah, which is really powerful for me. Um, and I know that I've got those people. So, so, for example, over the next twelve months, I've got four more courses that I'm going on. Um, I've got a, a coach and a mentor for each of those that will then help me implement what I've learned into, to integrate into the businesses that I already run and then the, the new business that I'm starting as well. So, again, practical advice here. Anyone, self, being self-aware of where you are, you know your goals are what you want to achieve. Yes. And bridging the gap. What I need to get to that, to get to that goal, do I have the skill sets or not? If I don't, getting people around you to help you get to there. Is that almost practically how you're looking at it? Absolutely. Brilliant. Um, 
Gav, I want to know, thanks so much for coming on today. I'll finish off. I want to, so one of you, I'd love to just find out from you. You spoke about neuroscience, where you're taking it. Now, obviously, you've got you know, Hawkehurst Invest. You've got yep. Nexus and networking. Um, you've got your Will Protect free things. You've got a new business you're looking at. So what I'd love to know is what you've got going on, what's coming up, sure. and a little bit around this neuroscience because it really fascinates me, and then how people can then connect with you, find out what's going on and stuff. Okay. Um was a quick sort of round robin on um, on on the existing businesses. Um, Hawkehurst Invest is um, helping aspirational property investors uh, to create wealth by investing in property. You don't have to be wealthy; it could be um, uh, you don't have to. Have, uh, it's not just wealthy people that work with us. It could be anyone who just wants to um, uh, help fund their kids' education or help their retirement planning. So, if that's of interest to anyone, um, then they can. Just uh, the best, easiest thing to do is find me on LinkedIn. Yeah, what I'll do is I'll leave all this yeah, in the notes. That's fine. Um, and then, yeah, the connection of LinkedIn and your, and your, and your contact. Yeah, so people can get in touch, definitely. That's yeah. fine. That's fine. Um, Will Protect is about, uh, you know, we're going to help people to create assets. We'll show them how to protect them. Um, so that's what Will Protect is all about. Uh, Nexus Networking is if you're running a business in, in Essex, anywhere in Essex, and you want to grow that business uh, through networking and uh, being in a community, then you can talk to me about that. Uh, but the new business is a, a business called Identity Resource, uh, which is a personal development and coaching uh, business. In that business, I'm putting together, along with my business partner, David, who's doing this with me, um, everything we've learned from NLP, everything we've learned from coaching, and everything we've learned from neuroscience and behavioral change work. And we will be running uh, workshops uh, throughout the course of uh, next year and ongoing, uh, where a dozen people can get together for one day a month for five months and learn about different aspects. The five things we'll be covering on the course will be um, stress and resilience. Uh, learning um, In each of these, I'm going to teach practical takeaways, exercises, that you can walk away from that module and have something that you can implement immediately anytime you're feeling stressed or, or in the need of uh, additional resilience. Uh, the next module will be creativity and insight problem solving. The one after that will be decision making and planning. Uh, then we'll have um, learning and memory and then we'll have emotional regulation and motivation. Yeah. And are these going to be local Chelmsford, Chelmsford areas? Yeah, we're actually looking at holding them at channels. Great. Good venue, the yeah, Chelmsford local. Well, that's amazing. Well, I think um, that would be exciting when you announce the dates. Have you got them announced yet or not? Not yet, uh, but I'll let you know when they are. Great. And then we well, can... I'll definitely... I'll be coming to one of them, mate. It sounds fantastic. I'll also share it in the show notes and people can connect with you on LinkedIn is of a good place to do that. Gavin, from my perspective, mate, thanks so much for coming on. Um, as I thought, cool, calm and collected, sharing some great insight into business and um, just some words of wisdom. And so thanks again so much for your time. Great oh, catch you. up. Thank you, Oliver. Cheers, Gavin. Cheers. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If you enjoyed the episode, then please, please share it with anyone else you think that might get value. And if you can leave us a five-star review, that would be great. It will just help us to reach more people with the podcast. If you want to get the episodes as soon as they're released, then just subscribe to the podcast. And as soon as they get released, you'll get a notification on the podcast platform you use. Once again, thanks to everyone for listening. And if you want to get in touch with me at any time, then just drop me a message on LinkedIn, Oliver Burquez. Be great to connect and have a chat with you.